Hello, welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I am James Carey. And this is episode 178 of Sitcom Geeks. And uh, we're off and uh, getting ready to go, getting all, all uh, worked out for how to organise our wonderful competition with uh, Hat Trick. It is the details and the stipulations and the small print is all being uh, haggled over. The, the main aim is we just want this to be uh, a big competition for writers who are getting going, who have maybe had a little bit of success. But what we don't want is a tiny little credit on TV to basically mean you can't. If you've done all the right things, you've got a joke on a thing. Uh, so we're just trying to make sure uh, that basically Graham Linehan uh, or John Finnamore can't win. But what we are talking about this episode is situations, uh, yeah. perils and pitfalls of situations, uh, because in a way you might be thinking of a sitcom from scratch or you've got a basic idea so that your sitcom script is ready for December and then the deadline for the competition is January the 4th? Uh, the 5th, Wednesday the 5th. I Wednesday think. the 5th of January 2022. And um, yeah, so I think what we're going to do is just sort of go through a few situations about basically not you can't sit your you can't put your sitcom here because it won't work but it's like here are the things that make that situation difficult or things to be aware of i think that's what yeah. we're planning to do isn't it dave it is yes because we've talked you know we talked on this show before about the kind of types of uh, sitcom you know the kind of little man against the world sort of thing or the fish out of water uh, all these sort of things but i don't think we've ever actually uh, talked in an episode about specific types of sit Mm. And it's interesting because we do get, uh, we, 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 over the years, certain themes come through, uh, certain types of sitcom come through uh, over and over. So this is, um, so we're looking at this, the, the, the specific type and the place. So, I mean, we were going to start, I thought we might as well start um, talking about um, sport because that was, uh, in fact, we had, uh, James and I got a, a script through which we had a, a read through of um, for our uh, Patreons. We, we do these um, uh, 10, 10 page challenges and we do a critique. And um, this was a sitcom set in the commentary box of a test match special, yeah. uh, a place place very dear to both of our hearts. And if, to be uh, honest, and if you're a sitcom lover and a cricket lover, you, you've hmm. probably had that idea. Um, I, I've thought of a play that could be set there. Um, so, and it's, you know, and it's also, it's audio, it's very evocative. Um, but then but then somebody else we know had a script set in uh, Formula One. Um, yeah. And then actually we, we read another script, uh, which was to do with a sports uh, memorabilia uh, situation. And... And I've just been watching Ted Lasso. Yeah. Uh, so this feels like uh, this is worthy of a little bit of a conversation. Yeah, um, especially given that Ted Lasso has been um, a, a bit of a hit. Um, and um, But also thinking about, um, I remember Andy Hamilton, the guy Jenkins did the show, uh, Trevor, Trevor's World of Sport. I think which... that was just Andy Hamilton. And maybe it's was worth it asking Guy Jenkins uh, <laughs> why he didn't want to do it. I think that was, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, I think, and there, there was definitely, um, I, I think it was famously called a show that should have gone on BBC One and a Half, because right. it was uh, an attempt to attempt to do a sort of BBC Two type show of a kind of BBC One type subject. But um, 
why do you think it is generally james that sports uh, sitcoms do not uh manage to get out of the starting blocks Sorry oh very that. nice i think <laughs> it, it should make sense because i mean as we'll probably discover there are lots of situations where the, the main aim of the main character is really easy to understand and identify with and that's normally a good thing so parallel example one of the reasons we chose a bomb disposal unit for Bluestone 4.2 is it's easy to understand what the job of a bomb disposal guy is. You know, go down there, do the long walk, diffuse bomb. Um, bomb goes off, bad. Bomb not go off, good. Um, so athlete, win race, good. <laughs> uh, don't win race, bad. Um, football team, win cup, good. Lose cup, bad. Uh, so on one level, you've got that simplicity of it and it arouses so much passion. But I think there's just something about the artifice of having to create a team that doesn't exist that suddenly makes it not compelling. I think that's one of the main killers of lots of these things. So Ted Lasso mm. has got AFC Richmond, which is a very believable premiership club, but fundamentally their clubs the show's not about football or, or even the club really is it and and it, and it shouldn't be but that i think is the reason it's it's too easy to make it about a fictional team when no one really cares about a fictional team they barely even care about other people's teams um uh, well, so... I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think one I liked about the uh, the sitcom that we read that was um, that was about a, a fictional football team, but it wasn't really. It was about two blokes who work in a in a memorabilia shop mm. and it could have been about music. You know, it could have been like a sort of Nick Hornby high fidelity kind yeah. of uh, sitcom. It could have been about anything, but it was about an old bloke and a young bloke and it, it each represented what football meant to them when they were when they were very young yeah. and uh you know so so that was a very that 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 it sort of didn't matter although the, the football related stories uh were, were a little bit kind of crowbarred in there i think but yeah. uh but generally it, it wasn't didn't matter too much whereas the one that was set in the commentary box you know there's no kind of there's no way out <laughs> this yeah. has to be about cricket and it has to be and you kind of it's like you say there's sort of this the, the, the amount of work that goes into making up somebody who is very like jeffrey boycott and somebody who's very like uh, jonathan agnew and somebody who's very like phil tufnell it's sort of well actually um the ones who are who the ones who exist are a kind of entertainment in their own right yeah really Okay. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah, there's that kind of in a way. Therefore, we're we're onto the. In fact, we what we don't didn't don't have on this list in front of us is the kind of sitcom set in a comedy club, uh, where you have sort of uh, fake comedians. Of course, the idea that you could have a sitcom based around a comedian and that that could in any way be successful is, of course, laughable. Um, <laughs> you know, Seinfeld, which. Uh, if, yes. I mean, Dave can see my, my DVD shelf behind me and over there I've got, you can see the little Seinfeld logos. Oh yeah. And then, <laughs> then there was a UK show, Lead Balloon, written by our mate uh, Pete Sinclair with, with Jack D. So obviously it can be done, but when it's sort of, but the thing is, the only reason that, let's talk about Lead Balloon briefly. It only works because the stand-up comedian is played by Jack D. 
and we all know he's a stand-up comedian. So in one sense, it's about Jack D, even though the character isn't Jack D and is a slightly, in a Seinfeld way, slightly less successful than the actual real life Jack D, isn't mm. he? He's a bit of a has-been in Lead Balloon. Is that right? Oh, very much so. And I think, uh, actually, I'd go further and say, you know, in, in that sort of typical American versus British sitcom way, I mean, uh, Seinfeld is not unsuccessful, really, in, in that show. He's always going off and he's always on the some big TV show. There's lovely whatever, jokes you know? about his parents just saying about having stuff to fall back on. They simply yeah. don't believe <laughs> that he's a good comedian. I just think that's so funny. Yeah, and I think that's... that's um, that's partly a Jewish thing, I think. Okay, I, I, I remember that uh, for, for for years having having that really. But uh, um, and you're now thinking you should have listened. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's um, it, you know, I should have been the doctor, but uh, yeah. I, I never never quite got to the dizzy heights of accountant or doctor. So sadly. Uh, was a disappointment to them, but I think you know, it, and, and lead balloon. You know, Jack Jack loves loves to play the sort of very downbeat loser type, yeah. and that's sort of it's sort of his persona on stage as well. That kind of grumpy kind of bloke mm. uh, who's who's constantly disappointed. So it did work, I think, for for those reasons. But yeah. I think we have mentioned in the rules, and I think uh, hat tricker are have said as well you know they're not really they don't really want to see meta uh, com yeah. uh sitcoms as in, you know sitcoms about comedy about you know tv about writing for tv or about about a, a comedy club and stuff mm. so those are kind of th those are sort of disqualified anyway yeah but i mean generally i think as sort of as a sport and showbiz i think we can probably lump the two together yeah. and say you know which is not to say you can't do a sport one, but if you do, if you are really thinking about doing one, um, you know, really, really think about those pitfalls. I think one thing that I read uh, that you wrote quite recently um, about Ted Lasso, which I haven't seen yet, but mm. uh, as you say, it's sort of, it, it appears as a fully formed 10 parts series. And so it sort of doesn't really matter. Uh, they can sort of start it wherever they want and, and mm. know that there's, um, if you like it, you'll, you'll, you'll stick with it and find out in episode four the, the the origins of it or whatever. Whereas for our competition, we need to read the first 10 pages and really know absolutely where your sitcom is set, what it's about, yeah. who the characters are. So that we can then read the next 20 pages with joy and excitement and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. So we are going to read the first 10 pages of every script that's in a TV format and that is actually legible. Uh, and in English, you know, all these things have to be stipulated. Uh, you know, if you send us a sitcom in German, we won't read it. If you send it in Latin, I might have a go, but it's, it's going to have to be pretty funny uh, for me uh, to get my Latin out uh, and and give that a go. So, um, right. um, I'm just can... I'm just creating problems for ourselves, aren't I, Dave? Yeah, right? it yeah. feels like this you are. Some somebody is going to go away now and think he said Latin, yeah, and someone's going to say. Uh, when you format Latin, is that 12 point Caligula yeah, yeah, yeah. 11 point or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So that's sports, uh, showbiz. Um, I think there are lots of reasons to avoid it. You know, especially if it's, if you love a sport and you want to write about that sport, I think it's, it's so easy for it to go wrong because also, if, you know, those big emotional highs that you're hoping the audience get, you will sort of think, wouldn't it be amazing if I could give the audience the feeling of, 
uh, of David Platt scoring that goal in extra time mm. against Belgium uh, in the Italian 90. It's like, yeah, yeah, kind of. But that was just a sort of that that's not really related to comedy. Um, so mm. it's uh, so I'm, I'm obviously not a true football fan because I'm, I'm quoting England matches rather than. <laughs> Uh, well, there was, matches. and again, it started as a movie, uh, Mike Bassett um, yeah. thing, and again, that was done as a as a TV series, and mm. it, you know, it was not, it, it wasn't terrible, you know, right. it was never it was, saw it. It, was, it was passably good as a you know as as uh, sports sitcoms go, but you know, it, it is it is really hard. You always have that thing as well, which I think you mentioned before as well, James, is that however much you try and recreate an actual sporting uh, moment. And, you know, you see it in all those British films from the 80s and 90s. Um, as, soon, as soon as you get out on the pitch yeah. and, you know, this, you see the cameras close up on the footballers knowing yeah. that you're avoiding showing the crowd because of the you know huge empty stadia. Yeah. Um, and but you've just got this kind of noise in the background yeah, yeah. and you, <laughs> so you see the players playing the worst thing for me and, I, and i've got a notable exception to this is when whenever you see cricket take place uh, and i mentioned this in the podcast before um it's as it's as if no one's ever played cricket before and the people shooting it have never seen cricket before and so they have cricket players do and say things that cricketers don't do you know so if a batsman is bowled out no one shouts how's that because the batsman's out, you know what I mean? It's like, and the, and yet, an episode of All Creatures Great and Small, Series 2, which has been on, a, on Channel 5 at the moment, they actually had a cricket match that resembled cricket. It was amazing. You know, it was just like, wow, that's what cricket is actually like. Uh, amazing. So c congratulations. I'm going to have to check that episode out now, just because it's got cricket in it. Absolutely. You should do. It really is. There weren't any bits where you just go, no. No, that's not, that's not. Anyone who lives with a cricket pitch behind them, as I do, will know that every Saturday and Sunday for five hours every day, um, that the, the, the local cricketers in the little local league, they shout owls at every ball, but whether, but, except for the ones where they're out. Yeah, <laughs> so yes, that's right. Hear, they're the only ones you don't need to shout for. Yeah. Every 40 seconds. Whoa! Oh. Oh. It's almost Ooh, enough to put yeah. me off the game. Nice one, Millsy. Seven more of that. You know, that kind of business. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Lovely. Um, okay, let's move. Let's move on because we could very gladly talk. I'm sure all for the rest of this about why about sports cricket. sitcoms don't work. Yeah. Uh, quoting our favourite sporting moments. Yeah. So let's move on then to the realms of fantasy, by which we mean magic. Yeah. Possibly with a K at the end, if you want. I guess Harry Potter has pretty well spawned um, an absolute mega industry, really. Yeah, of, uh... although having said that, I've never read a a, a Potter World sitcom. Um, in a way, it feels don't, don't like... Give... <laughs> uh, but what, Please you know, don't I'm give not, people I don't ideas. want to read one because I'm not, you know, I'm not a Potter, uh, Potterhead, or whatever they're called. <laughs> The problem is with fantasy is they're basically all Lord of the Rings parodies, aren't they? Sort of, uh, and I mean, and in fact, in fact, we're sort of slightly breaking our rule here. One of the sitcoms that um, Hattrick mentioned that they particularly like uh, at the moment, um, in terms of like being a mainstream sitcom, uh, is Ghosts, mm -hmm. and of course, Ghosts relies on the premise that there is a character uh, 
who can see ghosts. Um, yeah, that slightly breaks the rule. But I mean, I think also, uh, but I I have been reading more scripts with um, elves yeah. and dragons, and and I mean, I know you did you've actually written some uh, some elvish sitcoms, haven't you, James? I have. <laughs> I have written an episode in which uh, there was a hardly known actress, which I, who I've not seen since, and I hope she's all right, called Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, was in an episode. <laughs> um, or, uh, Dave nearly spits his tea out at that moment. There was a you've, sit- had them, you've had them all, haven't you? you there was a sitcom called Elven Quest uh, by yeah. Anil Gupta and Richard Pinto for, on Radio 4, and uh, they asked me to write a couple of episodes because they were really pushed for time because they were also doing Citizen Khan, I think. And it's a really solid show and it's very Lord of the Ringsy, and it's a, it is a sort of a Lord of the Rings parody, but just just they just sort of nailed it um, really good with an amazing cast as well. Like, you know, there was like Darren Boyd and Stephen Mangan and Kevin Eldon and Dave Lamb, I think, and all these people who are very rarely allowed to be in the same place at the same time. It was fun to do, but it was basically a, you know, a Lord of the Rings show and a lot of it is playing around with that although the character is sort of trying to get home and you know he's stuck with a and he is a feckless coward and all of the other ones are sort of probably too brave for their own good and a bit crazy and a bit dim and all that kind of stuff not that dissimilar from a show on dave called uh zapped Zapped, by our our friends uh paulie powell and will ing and uh, dan gaster who we spoke to on a previous uh, episode do go uh skittling through back to find that one that was a really fun um episode it's easy for it to be there are loads of jokes lying around as it were but again you really you know there was a there was another show called crodman dune and the flaming sword of fire um oh was that had, the uh alex hardcastle uh possibly it had matt lucas uh, in it as the bad yeah 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 um and it had uh, alex mcqueen and uh, a quite um, a famous Sean Maguire, I think, was the sort of the hero, and again, it was sort of a bit of a parody. So, in a way, these things feel like they've been done. Therefore, whatever you whatever you do with the fantasy genre, it, you need to sort of do something else with it rather than just go, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny to do a Lord of the Rings parody?" Mm-hmm. The answer is yes, it was. Yes, it would, and it has been. So, therefore, you don't need to do it anymore. And I think also uh, something that you just said there as well about Elven Quest, about that this this character is trying to get home and already uh, little alarm bells going off for me because um, uh, one of the things we keep saying uh, about this competition is it's character driven. Mm -hmm. It's about character. And yes, there's yes, there are stories. Yes, there are, you know, things happen in each episode, but each episode needs to stand alone and it needs to be uh the 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 character needs to be what what it's about and when you have a really big narrative going through your story then i I was i was just re-watching um bits of the wrong man's again just to kind of remind myself for this competition of uh what we're not looking for and you know it's fantastically filmed it's like oh, i mean obviously you know the the director is obviously um hollywood bound or mm. or has already been there but you know you kind of have to wait like a minute and a half for a for a character-based joke yeah. from either of the you know very very talented writer performers who who yeah. made that show yeah it's, it's not uh, it's not know, a yeah, the narrative is everything. And so fantasy is invariably going to have an element of something that isn't real. 
um, mm. just because it's a fantasy. Um, and, you know, if there is a dragon in your sitcom and it's not uh, a 1970s um, bossy mother-in-law, mm-hmm. as in George and the Dragon, I think it was called, the sitcom from the 70s. Oh, wow. Never heard of that one. I mean, that's yeah. that's a great title for a, a, ver- yeah. a, for a sitcom I really do not want to watch. <laughs> you can hear the script now as I explain it about a bloke who, who lives with his monster of a you know, uh, either the mother-in-law or the sort of Sid James wife. and Peggy Mount and John yeah. Lemazurier, four series, nineteen sixty-six to sixty-eight on ITV. Oh, I got the dates wrong, but Vince uh, Powell and Harry go. Driver were the writers. But let's anyway. Let's let us move on from the uh, from the now happily cancelled uh, um, culture of the some of the. Uh, 60s and 70s uh, sitcoms. Let's not go there. Go and listen to... I mean, apart from anything else, fantasy is a hard sell. Go back to episode 94, where we talked to Dan, Will and Paul, and they will tell you how many years it took to get this show commissioned. Um, hmm. So I, th- I think that is kind of... And then whilst we're on fantasy, can we just nip into horror and then zombies? Um, uh, let us yes. just say in passing that uh, when we spoke to David Tyler recently on the podcast, he recently did a script competition and he was quite surprised at how many scripts involved zombies. Um, And so I would just go and have a listen to that sort of post-apocalypse, you know, kind of hellscape settings and all that kind of business. So that's episode 169 uh, Mm. where he, he talks about about that he said something like a third of them had zombies in or something absurd <laughs> that um, is quite something and uh, you know at the risk of sounding like your parents yeah and uh you know uh, old, old fuddy duddy squares i mean it, I, it's definitely true that you know on the kind of streaming uh channels now like you know the netflixes disney plus whatever you know you do have a phenomenal range of 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 what comedy shows are about mm. and you know, they, they do have the luxury, those shows. Well, first of all, the vast majority of the stuff that's made is made with uh, in America with American budgets. But also, you're not watching episode one and then next week, episode two. You you are being delivered a whole package there. Part of the reason why I think it's fair for us to, to be talking about the kind of sitcoms that we loved watching in the sort of 60s and 70s and 80s mm. um and that that's the sort of thing that Hattrick are wanting to create and you know which i think they they sort of succeeded in with shows like Derry Girls and Outnumbered you know these are shows that come from that tradition and i think they are still you know there is still very much a place for that kind of uh sitcom and that that's what we're after but yes there are lots and lots of shows with zombies yes there are lots of fantasy shows mm. and fantasy comedy dramas and things but but for the, in terms of this competition we are looking at what could be called more traditional relationships i think yeah. really i mean it doesn't have to be i mean but just in mm. general that 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 there have been a lot there are a lot of scripts around with zombies in them the walking dead is is an insanely popular show and is therefore to some extent fair game but again a parody of an existing format is always going to be is always going to feel secondhand. It's not going to be, you know, the thing we keep saying on this podcast is why this show, why now and why you? Why are you writing this show now in 2021, 22? And if it's just like, well, wouldn't it be funny if it if it's The Walking Dead with jokes? It's like, mm. yeah, okay, that, that might be funny, but why don't we get Stephen Moffat to do that? 
um, why are you doing it? Oh, because actually it's about a, it's about um, parenthood. And the, yeah. the, the zombie stuff is a metaphor, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Well, now, now we've got something. So um, so you just need to be make sure that if you have zombies in your script, it, that it's not about zombies. If you've got sport in your script, it's not about sport. And equally, science fiction. You know, if it's about science fiction. And I, I, I started to watch uh, The Expanse, which is not a comedy, on, uh, on Amazon Prime. I don't know what it was on originally. Maybe it's a Prime original which is sort of like a detective show, but set in the future space stuff. And I, I have to say I gave up on it because it was really, really in love with the world and the special effects and the world building. And I think that can be another thing that kind of really can take over mm. is neat gadgets, futuristic things, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, it's easy to take for granted what Red Dwarf managed to do, but that was about the last human being alive having to put up with his worst enemy mm. because the computer thought, well, this is his best friend because he's the one who we talked to the most before he died. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> um, and so it's, and uh, you know, all the best sci-fi as Mark Kermode always says is it's about your quest, you know, your fight against yourself, you know, space exploration mm. and frontier stuff is all about, you know, self-discovery as much as anything else. I was just going to mention Red Dwarf there as, you know, a, a sitcom in the, regardless of what it's uh, about, it's a, it's a classic sitcom in which a bunch of people are stuck together in a room and they've got nothing in common and they've got no escape from each other. Yeah. And, you know, porridge, um, you know, or uh, only fools and horses to some extent, um, any, any family sitcom, the royal family, yeah. that's what it's about. And so, yes, Red Dwarf, kind of broke the mold i think and i think i can't think of any other sci-fi sitcoms that went beyond a series or two maybe i guess uh, i mean in a way red dwarf exists because of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy you couldn't have red dwarf without hitchhikers i would probably imagine but now we, which you, you also know. couldn't have without kurt vonnegut yeah but, that's uh, I'm, I'm happy to go with that i don't know much about kurt vonnegut but yeah. um but whilst we're about it let's just round this off uh, this kind of alternative worlds uh, sort of huge sidetrack we're going on. It feels like we've we've gone we've gone out the back of the wardrobe and we're in Narnia, but uh, we found our way back and we'll be there in a moment. The other thing I just wanted to mention, I wrote a blog post on this a few years ago about horror. Now I know the League of Gentlemen have done a brilliant job of sort of one-off comedy half-hour plays that are sort of short stories and often kind of weird and horror-based, and that's all fine. But as a general rule, scaring people and making them laugh are very, very difficult to do in the same show. They're virtually, I would say, existentially impossible to do together. Um, and the reason I say that is because with horror, you're trying to shock someone and you're also withholding information the whole time. Um, and then you're not really showing anybody anything and it's all about suspense and all that kind of stuff. Whereas in comedy, you want to give people the information they need in order to get the joke so they're not worried that they're missing something. So I think horror-based stuff is really, really hard to make work because it is, you know, you are trying to, um, you know, make uh, make something with the wrong ingredients, I think. Um obviously never say never if you've got a horror thing maybe it'll work prove us wrong but 
I'm never that excited when I read horror because I, th- I think it feels like a very, very difficult trick mm. to pull off. Yeah. Um, again, again, character is all the thing. I yeah. mean, I think the one, the one uh, horror that worked for me was Shaun of the Dead, and that's a movie. So, mm. um, you know. and there are plenty of movies which break these rules because they're movies and not sitcoms. So, and then the last thing on this uh, other worlds thing, I never keep saying, "Oh yeah, and one more, oh and one more," is historical. <laughs> Um, so yeah. that is another re- the historically, uh, ironically, historical sitcoms are a really hard sell. I think people think that they're either too much like Blackadder or that people don't want historical sitcoms, even though everybody loved Blackadder. Um, and then they'll point them to let them eat cake to demonstrate the fact that they don't actually like historical sitcoms that aren't Blackadder. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're a hard sell, aren't they? They are a hard sell. It's, that's one of those things where, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more kind of open to it now just because uh, we, and we, we've had, we've both been in situations where people say no, people don't want historical uh, sitcoms. Um, but, oh, you were involved in horrible histories. Oh, well, maybe from the people who did horrible histories, yeah. we'll think about it. Uh, or they say, oh, it never works. And you go, uh, you know, it's not since Blackadder. Um, well, what about, um, I think it was it Haggard? Yes. Um, in ITV, very funny, very successful sitcom, Keith Barron, I think. Yes, uh, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. We're really going back there. That was a great sitcom, you know. And, um, you know, well, as, as you say, Blackadder, you know, that shouldn't, that, that shouldn't have worked. But the main series of that was the sort of the super group gets back together from, you know, kind of the mm. sort of a group of modestly successful people uh, who made series one, came back to series two as superstars plus Ben Elton, added to to uh knob up the script as it were and then talking of ben elton of course we've got upstart crow yeah yeah i have read a few historical uh sitcom scripts and i don't i i don't feel the same way that i do with um uh, zombie type things for instance i feel because i feel that you know the kind of the historical thing is something it's such a kind of staple of british tv Mm. that it does kind of it makes me laugh when I read a script sometimes and it's set in Victorian times or whatever. And, uh, or, you know, having said no to the fantasies, uh, you know, ghosts is, uh, is a costume drama, isn't it? That, you know, set across several, yeah. several centuries, millennia, or even, you know, yeah. in terms of being a costume drama. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I, th- I think I have no existential problem with historical comedies, as long as they're not about history. They've yeah. got to be about the characters. They've got to be. Character. They've got to have a reason to exist now, rather than you happen to be interested in the Corn Laws uh, or the Enclosure <laughs> Acts uh, or the Lollards. Mm. In my case, which is like the pre-Reformation uh, Protestants, uh, Bible translators and stuff. I mean, it's like, well, yes, okay, that's fine, but why now? I still yeah. think commissioners are oddly reluctant. Uh, to commission comedy in this area, given the ludicrous amount of period drama people will watch. Mm. So the idea that there's no comedy, um, you know, uh, what was that Corn- Cornish uh, show? A uh, Poldark, you know. Yeah. Poldark or uh, Lark Rise to Candleford or Cranfield or Austin mm. or, you know, there's a very successful, they're very successful touring comedy versions of Jane Austen and Ostentatious, mm. I think, and Improv Austen and all that yeah. kind of stuff. 
So mm. I think there's a real mental block amongst commissioners about that. And I, I can't do much about that. But all I would say is hist historical has the same potential problems of that you're more interested in the history than the comedy. Uh, beware. Then again, um, people now define historical. So if you set something in the 60s or 70s, that is historical because, you know, it involves the same amount of work by props and costumes departments. And so something like Dairy Girls um, is actually a historical sitcom because it's not it's not set in the present. But again, it's all about the characters. Mm. So that's that's what that that's partly why I'm saying, you know, don't be don't be too put off by the fact that commissioners generally don't take historical sitcoms. Mm. So we, we've, we, we've issued a lot of cautionary tales and I'm not sure yeah. it's going to get any better here, but uh, where do you want to go next, Dave? We should definitely talk about the workplace uh, sitcom yeah. because as, as a producer said to me in a meeting um, a few years ago when I came up with what I thought was a very radical idea and was at the time, it was a, an Amazon type warehouse, which mm. no, no, you know, not many people knew much about these places, but thought this is a good place to set a sitcom and have a character who is partly AI, mm. uh, who is basically a, a, a sort of robot with a with an I, iPad on its head, mm. uh, who is a sort of factory foreman and was a racist, sexist factory foreman because that was all the uh, that's all they had to work with. Um, so it was our way of getting all those jokes uh, in for free. Um, but anyway, the guy, uh, the producer said uh, the workplace sitcom is dead. Um, that was about five or six years ago. And the sort of thing that producers say um, when they know they can't get your script away. Yeah. Um, or they don't they don't like it enough to say they're going to have a go at getting it produced. So, uh, yeah, th thanks, James. That's, <laughs> that's, that's true, though, that, isn't it? Uh, that... Hard truth, bitter yeah. truth there that I have to swallow. Yeah. The point was that, you know, The Office was the last um, workplace sitcom and, you know, in this country, certainly, uh, has anything come along that has moved things on. I mean, the people who did The Office in the States mm. have moved the workplace sitcom on. Parks and Rec is very much an office workplace mm. sitcom, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But in terms of our British uh, budgets and the kind of thing that we can make, what sort of workplace sitcom would we be wanting to see if we got one? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it feels like either it should be somewhere we've not seen before, but even so, the question is always, why have you set a sitcom there? So I would say there, the main reasons would be special access that you know what it's really like and so you are able to you know if if you are a um a surgeon and you know what it's actually like being a surgeon and this is the awful truth about surgery then in a way you're like okay well i'll i'll buy that but equally if there's something you know that feels like you know we've not seen it before that that'd be good but you do need a reason to set it there now what is it about that new place that didn't exist before that tells us about who we are today as a people as a group as a as a humanity you know how is that emblematic of a bigger thing why mm. are you writing about this other than wouldn't it be funny to set a sitcom in a farm shop oh overpriced overpriced farm shop with loads of organic uh moldy old vegetables blah 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 uh yeah okay why why are you writing it and what's funny about that now other than 
oh, it's all overpriced, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, that's, you, you can do two jokes per episode about that. What, what's the other 29 and a half pages? Uh, yeah. So I, I think the, the, the workplace stuff just requires really careful handling. I don't think it's dead. I, I can't see how that's the case. Um, because if it's funny, um, funniest wins, uh, as it were. But if the characters are good and there's a reason for us to be there, then any workplace could work. Um, why the one we haven't seen before, one you have special access to, or one, you know, th there's another great mm. school sitcom out there, even though at the same time we had, we bad had education. big school and bad education running at the same mm. time. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's another one there. Yeah. Which has a completely different perspective. Um, you know, those in-betweeners was a school mm. uh, from a different yeah. perspective. So it's just a quite perspective and what you want to write and what you're saying about and, and why we should be watching this show now. Yeah. yeah. Same goes for families, which is the obvious big area to write about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just before we, we talk a little about families, let's just finish on, on the office and the office workplace. I mean, that it has changed i mean and again i have i have seen a few scripts in the last sort of two uh couple of years that are you know they're kind of set in hub type places they're kind of slightly amorphous undefined places which is kind of what a lot of workplaces are like nowadays i think and i haven't seen that kind of properly nailed yet yeah. if there's a way you know but because it's just a backdrop, isn't it? It's about yeah. the characters. So what, mm. what is it about? Uh, what, what's keeping them together? It feels like it could or should work because it's of the moment, but it's like there are some things there that are not keeping your sitcom together because your characters need a reason to not walk out on each other. Yeah. I mean, nobody cared what, um, what they did in the office. Mm. Uh, there was a kind of vague sense that it was a print firm or paper making firm or something or that was so irrelevant but it was kind of what what worked was that the the, the sense of alienation that one has in that mm. situation what happens when you've got a monster in charge um it had that feel that was still relatively fresh of docu soap mm. um so it had it had various things going on that were kind of second that that made the actual office-ness of it secondary to the characters yeah uh we should wrap up fairly soon dave so we should probably talk yep. about the other big one which is families because families mm. have the advantage of you can't really walk out i know people do walk out and not speak to their members of their family but that's very difficult and quite rare um and you, you like a dog returning to its vomit if i may quote <laughs> the bible uh people keep going back for more H how how can the family show be Judged up, redone, represented. Yeah, I mean that's a very good question. I, I, I'm trying to think in of the what was the most the most recent, most successful family sitcom. I suppose in a sense, I, I kind of not not going out is kind of carrying on a tradition. I don't mm. feel it's breaking any molds in any way in the way that say Modern Family did in America. There's quite a lot of drama around family. In I'm just thinking Last Tango in Halifax. Um, could have been a sitcom if it had gone in that direction. Yeah. Uh, was there a show called Normal People or something, uh, which is based on uh, a book? Yeah, that wasn't really that funny. No, but as in, it's just it was just sort of a family, wasn't it? It was like a family 
I didn't yeah, see it. It was more about more about relationship that uh, and there yeah. were there were kind of family backdrop okay. things going on to it. I think yeah, um, but in terms of actual you know kind of comedy comedy shows about families and family as again Hattrick mentioned you know family in the broadest sense um as in you know a group of people brought together and that's again we're coming back to the kind of workplace mm. you've got a bunch of people who are stuck together not out of choice and that's that's where you're going to get the sort of show that we're looking for because it's it's a show that you know you can send us episode four from series two mm. and it don't, it won't matter because uh you know they set up the first 10 pages will be the same i've just realized the the great advantage of the family sitcom over the office sitcom a family sitcom makes it impossible uh to have the episode be about their first day at work <laughs> uh because that's one of my uh one of one of my uh well bugbears would be yeah. one way of putting it is the number of scripts that one reads where it's someone's first day at work and there are many reasons why that is a very difficult it sounds very obvious and a very good way of introducing us to the world but has serious uh, problems with it the the most obvious being your main character if they are if it's their first day at work is likely to be passive because they they are being introduced to everyone Whereas if they if they turn up and immediately try to take over, they're, they're obviously some sort of psychopath, which is potentially very funny, but that might that's probably not your character. That is a big a big problem. But you don't get that with families. You know, obviously it's your first day in a family when you're a baby, um, but uh, that's a different show, isn't it? You do get a lot of birthdays though, James. I'm afraid to say. Yes. Um, but um, I am. Thanks. I remain opposed to birthday stories. Yes. The best, some of the best modern family episodes. They, ones, but they're yeah. always good at heading an episode towards a celebration. And if it's a birthday, I suppose that's fine. But the mm. birthday is fundamentally just a way of getting people together. Mm. So I think they use them quite well, even though mm. I, I'm not a fan. Just, just to kind of wrap up, hopefully we've given you a, a steer without kind of forcing you. We've basically down. put a plague on every single house, Dave. That's what we've done. We've basically yeah. said, what's the use? Don't bother with any of these. There's nothing mm. left. We can't <laughs> wait to read your script. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them coming. And they've got to be no no narrative, but yes, yeah, some narrative. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, self-contained episodes. But yes, they can move on or whatever. No, uh, ho hopefully you get the sense of, you know, that it's a it, it's it's about... It's about character, as we have probably said about 25 times yeah. in the last uh, 45 minutes. Which is so. why, if your show is about a regular pub quiz, uh, <laughs> which is about one in 20 sitcom scripts, then it needs to be about the characters. Um, yeah. and, I, and again, I merely say that just because I think lots of people who are writing are thinking, oh, but I've got one that isn't any of those. Um and that's fine, but th there are an awful lot of scripts that are basically pub quizzes and things like that. So there is nothing new under the sun. The situations are not original unless you've got really, really good access to what life is actually like on an oil rig. And you're writing about that. Then it has been done before or it is being done at the moment or someone else has written a script on it. So therefore, it has to be about the characters and I think that's all we have to say on the subject.
brilliant way to end uh, today's episode. So yeah. uh, do follow Dave uh, on Twitter, um, Dave Cohen Comedy. That's right, isn't it, Dave? Yep, and Sitcom Geeks, of course, on Twitter as well. Yeah. We'll be probably putting, uh, we'll be quite active, I think, on Twitter in the yeah. next sort of uh, couple of months or so with uh, lots of blogs as well about, with, with tons of advice, uh, not just a, at this point, we're kind of still at the general stage, but we will be in the next few weeks, we'll be putting out blogs about yeah. specifically about character and plot. Go over to my blog and you'll find uh, a, sick, uh, a blog, a post about why you shouldn't start your sitcom in Iceland. Um, under specific <laughs> circumstances but that's sitcomgeek.blogspot.com but if you google James Carey sitcom geek you'll probably find me and Dave and there are video courses that I do and Dave does has an amazing email list with lots of extra uh, information on too so follow Dave on Twitter and you'll you'll get up, get a hold of all that and uh, just have a, have a look around for the other things yep. cool right we better go Dave excellent we have. We've got a Q&A to do now. So, uh, for our Patreons, join us listening. on Patreon. Speak to you soon. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.